Hi everyone, and welcome to another week of Rotating Reels. I'm one of your hosts, Hank Showalter, and joining me today are my co-hosts Keegan Tran. I didn't prepare anything. Taylor May. Hello. And special guest, Arthur Deronlo. Hey, what's up? So uh, you may recall from last week that we had originally scheduled to have an interview with one of the actors uh, from the movie Prospect. Uh, but we had a technical slash scheduling mix-up, uh, weren't able to record that interview, and in its place we just did a full review of the movie Prospect. Uh, so this week we did manage to get a hold of Arthur, uh, and no, no microphones exploded or anything, so we're going to be doing <laughs> that interview. Um, but uh, what that means is that we're probably going to be firmly in spoiler territory for the movie prospect for the entirety of this episode. So if you haven't seen the movie or if you want to listen to our review before you listen to this interview, I, I recommend that you go back to last week's episode, give it a listen through. It's a good one. Um, that said, if you're if you're here and you know what you're here for, you're here for the interview, you're in the right place. Um, and so just for our viewers' knowledge, this is uh, for two of the, the co-hosts here, our first time ever talking to Arthur. So, you know, we're going to be real freeform. Um, we're going to have a good time. And I think it's going to be a fun episode. And then uh, once we get to the back end, I'm going to tell you what we've got coming up next week. So make sure to stick around for the whole interview. Stick around for uh, what's coming up next. And don't worry, they'll be freeform, but I have hard, qu hard hitting journalistic <laughs> questions I'm going to ask. I want answers, Arthur. And I'm, oh I'm going to get them. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> the pressure's on now. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, uh, jumping right into the interview, uh, we've got Arthur here. He played uh, one of the supporting characters in Prospect. Arthur, uh, I've, I've read your character's name on the IMDb, but I actually don't remember how it was pronounced uh, in the movie. Yeah. So first question right off yeah. the bat, how, how do you pronounce that? It's pronounced far. Um, and that one, as a dyslexic child myself, took a long time to get around. But uh, yeah, it's pronounced far, and it's weird spelling. <laughs> it's spelled F-A-H-R. H-R, yeah. yeah okay. It, it looked to me like something pulled uh, out of out of the Dune universe, if, if anyone here has ever read a Dune yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, 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 I read that one name in there. All the other names sound kind of earthy, but that one name I read it and I'm like, ooh, we're in for something up my alley. Well, yeah, one of the interesting things about like uh, Zeke and Chris is they did a, I'm, I'm kind of sad that they didn't get to use more of it, but they built like a really large world around it. I don't know if, how much of that you guys know, but like there were cartoons and full books written for this movie. They had three different alphabets it was, I mean, there was a lot of, like, material that they had that didn't really get used. So every character has a huge background. I don't know, like, any of them, <laughs> but every character has a huge background. And, yeah, they really had a lot of material that wasn't used that much. So That's fascinating. Do you know if they were, like, planning to use any of that stuff? Well, okay. To my knowledge, um, and I'm not going to put words in their mouth, yeah, but yeah. kind of what they started out with is a lot of this, like, came from, like, this... They grew up watching Star Wars and things like that with these huge universes, and there's a lot to it. Um, and they were really inspired by that. But they also kind of liked the more, like, Western-style movies. Um, and they ended up just building this whole world kind of as an idea. And then they shot the short film. Ooh, I don't know what year they shot the short film. I was not a part of that. Uh, and then they got funding to do this full film. But there was they've had a lot of material because they were working on it for I'd say close to 10 years if I'm wow. taking a good oh, guess goodness. but there's a lot of material okay that's actually really interesting I want to return to a few of those points uh, later but now that we've gotten a little bit of background on the film I, I want to ask it sounds you know you're referring to uh, some of the creators you know by first name here Arthur and I've, uh, I've yeah. been kind of <laughs> curious how did you get involved with the project like how do you find out about it how was there an auditioning process like like how did you go about getting this role in the movie uh, did you just know the yeah, right so people? This is... Was it nepotism? <laughs> uh, yeah, it kind of was, and it kind of wasn't at the same time. So um, pretty much what happened was is they went through a bunch of talent agencies. Uh, and then I, I'm not in a talent agency. Um, but they went through a bunch of talent agencies, and they were trying to find people who could do the movements and kind of move around the way that they wanted to. Uh, and they didn't find anyone that they particularly liked. So they started just reaching out to random things. And they actually reached out to the, the dance company I spent nine years. Yeah, nine years in. Oh, plug um, it, plug it. What's the name? What's the name? 
Kaleidoscope Dance Company, y'all. Yeah. I miss those people. <laughs> COVID. I hate this, but um, they uh, they reached out, and one of the people just happened to answer the phone and be in the office at that moment, and I don't know who was on the phone, but they said, "Hey, we're looking for someone to do some acting, and they're they're supposed to be 16, this tall, blonde hair, this and that, and this and that." And so we got, my dad got sent an email and said, pretty much said along the lines of, hey, we just got this random call. If anyone wants to give it a shot, go for it. And I, I originally was looking at it and I was like, okay, they want me to cut my hair. That's a big no. <laughs> um, and then they want me to dye my hair blonde. Another big no. I'm also not 16, so I don't know how this is going to work out. <laughs> but I was the closest candidate there. And I think I debated it for about a week. And then my dad was like, just go audition. What are you going to lose? Drive down to Seattle Center for an hour and then just go see what happens. And pretty much the audition process was super weird. Uh, I'd never auditioned for anything before. But I got there and I walk in the room. First off, I was shocked. I'm kind of a camera nerd. They have a, a red epic weapon, the the 8K one, like a $150,000 camera just put up on a tripod <laughs> and like 30 chairs and boxes just scattered around the room and they're like okay these are trees and what you're gonna do is you're gonna be in a forest uh good luck <laughs> and pretty much just have me walk around the forest for a while and they're like okay you're getting chased by someone go deal with that and i was like okay so i'm gonna start running now and uh pretty much just from there uh, i was called back like two hours later and said you're gonna meet the director let's see how this goes down and Zeke was there that day, and he had me jump on top of a duffel bag <laughs> with a mic stand in my hand, pretending it was a sword. <laughs> and then got the call back, and they said, okay, you got the role. And that's pretty much how it went down. That's awesome. Yeah. That is, like, one of the coolest kind of, like, right place at the right time stories oh, ever. Oh, totally. You know, you know, when you said, like, it actually kind of was nepotism. There was part of me that was worried, like, oh, no, does he have, like, a rich uncle? Um, but, uh, <laughs> I wish, man. But, Come uh, on. But then, uh, you, you know, I love that kind of, like, randomness, you know, just happen to be at the right dance company, get the phone call. That's super rad. And then also super into just kind of, like, throwing you into the audition uh, process. Only auditions I've yeah. ever seen are, like, on TV or something. But it always looks super cringy. Um, and that sounds like it would be <laughs> super cringy if you were there, but it also sounds super fun in that way. Like, if it was oh, me, man, I'd be was, cringing, you know. Uh, <laughs> it was so cringy. They had, okay, I, I remember this one. Uh, they said, hey, we want you to, like, step behind this box. So they stacked up two boxes so they couldn't see me. And they are like, step around this like it's a tree and you're trying to spy on someone. I remember the first time I did that, because I, I, nerves were going, right? Um, so I step around this tree in the most jagged, like, way ever. I almost fell over. And I was like, I, I just stopped and, like, looked disappointed. I was like, can I redo that? And, like, until that point, I hadn't talked to any of them. And I was just freaking out. And I was so happy when they were like, yeah, just figure it out. And then we can start actually looking at you. But it was, it was so weird. That's that really motion cool. was one of the most awkward things I did in my life. So, I like how you also said, I'm not cutting my hair. I'm not dyeing my hair. That's like before you even auditioned yeah. or responded, you're like, nope. They're... Well, no. Cause, <laughs> dude, like, no. They were like, okay, we want this blonde kid with short hair who's 16. And I'm like, I don't fit any of the criteria. Why would I go? So That's awesome. So yeah. how did they – so once you, you know, were in the process, you got the role, you're moving forward – how did they begin to explain this massive universe they had already built? Like, did they, because, you know, when you're going to audition, they didn't tell you anything, right? Did they want you to not know everything? Or were they saying, here's all the stuff we know already? I honestly don't know what that was. A lot of the, I talked to a few other people who were auditioning for different roles. Um, and what it seemed like is everyone kind of got the same experience where it was like, this is a force to deal with it. Um, hmm. I knew I was... I didn't even know I was some kind of alien life. I don't... Yeah, it was it was pretty strange. Um, and then, kind of once I got the role, they printed out a script the first day I went into the, the warehouse, realistically, um, which was... We can talk about that, too. That was a crazy thing. Um, but it, they just handed me a script and said, okay, read this, kind of figure it out. And then I actually ended up spending quite a lot of time at that warehouse where they would explain things to me and just they they were really kind of accommodating to the fact that I didn't know anything 
and they started walking me around the sets and explaining everything through the the length of the movie. Here's the space station set we built. Here's the capsule. Here's this. And they walked me through the movie through sets. So it was really, that's kind of how they built it. Um, And then they also had art on every wall and the props department was in the same building. And you could walk in and look at every prop and how everything was being built. So you kind of just built a general understanding. It was was a really fun experience. So the props department was in there. Does that mean that you got to have hands-on time with that dope-ass space revolver? (laughs) I did. I got to hold that. And they explained to me what it was made out of. They, I mean, everything in that movie was um, completely practical. There was like three or four CG elements and then a few minis. And that's it. Uh, it literally the costume designer uh, Aiden was one of the most talented people I've ever met uh, the whole props department was incredible everything was I mean that that gun I don't I think it was like eight or nine pounds wow. and one of the problems actually I just know this one but uh, one of the problems they had was uh, since it's nine pounds there was that one scene in the capsule where uh uh, C <laughs> has Ezra. I almost called her Sophie. I can go with Sophie, but C has Ezra uh, at gunpoint, and she actually couldn't hold the gun up anymore that day, so that caused some problems. But there was there was a lot of really cool props. So that's really cool. You can you can tell watching the movie, right? Like, cause you they get moments where you see the props closer up, and they look. I was actually one of my questions I had written down was like, they look hefty. Are are they hefty? So like that makes sense. Yeah, that they're making these legit um, things. I didn't get to experience a lot of the props uh like the the final set ones but in the the warehouse there was there's a lot of heft to some of that stuff uh my sword was whole piece of steel probably weighed i don't know five ten pounds it everything was everything was a, a real thing so it was it was very cool wow. yeah you could really That's... tell watching the movie just like how yeah how they built everything you know like, like there are a lot of movies you look and you're like wow they did not pull that cg off and you didn't even get an opportunity to do that during this movie because it was all no you didn't (laughs) you really did not um so i've asked a couple questions taylor's asked one i want to give keegan a moment to chime in here keegan what have you got for arthur yeah no so i was curious you you talked about like you know you live in seattle you drove down to the seattle center to interview i know a lot of like uh, emphasis is put on how this was filmed in forest and it's like has a very northwest feel to the movie where was this shot did you have to like was it relatively close to main seattle what was the time commitment of like how long were you on sex i know you talked about like how a lot of the the people on the crew walked you through a lot of what your story was so i guess like what was the commitment for you for time during production yeah totally so um i think actual filming days i had five or six uh i had to come in one day post-production to do uh some reshoots for just things they changed out characters in certain spots but uh yeah total it was about five or six shooting days uh total time commitment was probably a month or two of actual time doing things there were a lot of costume fittings because the costume Mm -hmm. was completely custom made uh again aiden was a wizard i do not understand how she was able to do some of this stuff uh, and yeah, so about three weeks to answer your question. Interesting. Yeah. So when you were, when you were driving to set, how, how far away were you going? Cause most of your, I feel like most of your scenes or almost all of them are in some kind of wooded environment, right? So, well, we, we decided to do like twilight. So we did a lot out in forks, <laughs> um, one of the one of the fun things that the directors were talking about, uh, Chris and Zeke, was that over the long time that they had been going out there, they got to watch the decline of the Twilight tourism industry. Um, <laughs> I always liked when they brought that up. But uh, yeah, so I had one day out in Forks, which was that was a fun day. Uh, it was <laughs> there was some fun stuff happening. It was quite an interesting day because my costume there there was quite the learning curve to my costume that I'll bring up later. But um, and then we had four, three or four days out in Snoqualmie, uh, just in some random person's backyard where they had built that entire hut that you see. Huh. No way. Very, yeah. very cool. Very cool. So when you say they built the entire hut, that was actually one of my questions was, you know, there are a number of interior shots in there. And I was always like, 
did they build it for a single angle or like how much did they build it out so that hut was like a structure you could go into or, or how built out was it okay let's let's get this one off the ground anything you saw in the movie was real and functional and completely fully fledged every single thing even the spaceship the, arthur the, giant. the spaceship was they had <laughs> the literally the the controls for the spaceship were ex tank training devices no way like in the 70s they taught soldiers how to shoot with those there was an insane amount of functional stuff on set wow uh yeah so that that entire structure that i was in was probably 20 feet long every angle was a filming angle they could pump fog into it they were shooting lights through the windows everything about it was functional from the inside and outside that's awesome yeah yeah no i uh, the uh the the hut was the one thing i was most unsure about because we get like a ton of angles in the pod right we and obviously yeah. the outdoor scenes are outdoors <laughs> but the hut you know like the, the the it's it's only a few scenes in there right yeah and so i've seen that and i was like this is the one thing that i think they could have you know kind of built like half a set and like filmed in but i love that it was actually a hut that was yeah you know something you could go into yeah it was it was a very cool thing yeah well and the fact that they're doing all these practical effects with you know a low budget as far as as movies go right i mean that's just even more even more to their credit i think yeah yeah so uh, when you were, you know, the scenes in the hut, which are most of your scenes, right? So you're sitting in this hut and you got Pedro Pascal, Andre Royo, Sophie Thatcher. You got all the big names, almost all the big names in the entire movie. And you're, and you're working with them to film your scenes. What was that like as someone you just said was, you know, this is your first time doing this. You're, you're walking around set and they're explaining everything to you. What was it like filming those actual scenes with people that do know what they're doing and have and have done something like this before? It was uh, mind-boggling, to say the least, if I'm completely honest. Yeah. Uh, Pascal, in specific, was majorly talented. Um, I remember when we drank that stuff. The juice. The green smoothie. <laughs> the juice. <Yeah. laughs> uh, when we drank that, uh, I remember one of, the, one of my favorite moments in that hut was when he, he was talking, he takes a sip of it, and Sophie looks over at him and starts drinking it. And after the cut, she's like, that tastes terrible. And is looking for, like, agreement with him. He's like, I didn't drink it. She's like, you didn't? He's like, he goes, acting. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. So, so uh, I, yeah, no, I, ju I just got to ask, you know, Sophie drank it. Pedro apparently didn't. But what was it? What was there to drink uh, or not drink? You know those green juices? Like the green juices you get at Starbucks, like the really kind of like gross health food. Oh juice. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the smooth. They, they... It was, it was that in like maybe. Uh, two bottles of black food color. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like that, that's all it was. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. oh god. <sighs> yeah. So when you're when you're. Uh, when you're in there with them, um, are you getting, were you getting cued? Like was, were, what was it like the actual process of filming, right? Like how much of it was just rolling in front of the camera versus setting up the scene up, getting cues from the director, that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, the, that day in specific was one of the, one of the harder days for sure. Um, it was a pretty small area. I'd say across, it was maybe 10 feet wide and deep, probably 30, but only about 10 feet of that was usable because there's a lot of just stuff hanging and crazy stuff. Uh, and they had to fit 20, 20 crew members in there, two cameras, fans. They had to pump fog in. They had to do a whole bunch of stuff. So a lot of it was like pretty much as far as cues go, they would do a coverage for each person. So we acted that scene out maybe 40 times um so we're uh, yeah. one question were all 40 of those takes or were some of them like dry runs uh all 40 of those were takes we did a lot of dry runs okay. too wow. um a lot of the dry runs we did outside of the the thing because it would get very hot in there <laughs> just because you have 30 people in a yeah 30 by 10 area most likely and equipment and, um yeah. yeah but that was probably the the toughest day on set um yeah so as far as cues go it would pretty much say action and then you just do the scene and it's just rolling on you and then cut right and then they just switch to a different coverage so we did all of andre's coverage first 
and then after that we did Sophie's coverage and then we did um my coverage and then we did Pedro's coverage so it was it was pretty fun so for for some I'm not very knowledgeable in these matters I won't I won't do I won't do that for someone who's not very knowledgeable for me so when you say <laughs> each person's coverage are you saying that they did like a, a take where the camera was focusing on each character in the scene or all of like the most important characters in the scene and they did like a full scene that way yeah they did Ooh. so they had they had two cameras in there um so they had the wide shot that you see a few times uh and we did that a bunch of times but so for every time they did the wide shot they were also doing a close close coverage of one character so they had pro- they probably had 40 wide takes hmm. um wow. But yeah, so what it would be is you'd have the wide shot going every time uh, just in case there was something cool that happened one time that didn't happen another. For instance, when Andre, after I played that song, uh, did like the the kiss and like reach out, that was improv. So they just started putting that in. Um, and the, the coverage shots, what they would do is they, yeah, they'd focus on one person, just kind of box that person out. Everyone's acting out the scene the people who aren't in that coverage can kind of do it a little bit more lazily, but you're still doing it because the wide shot's there. And then they do it until they got it perfect with that person, do it one more time, and get another perfect shot just in case, and then they just swap to the next person. Wow. That... So in the final, the final, because you said you just re-watched, re-watched Prospect again. So in the final, I'm guessing, it's a composition of tons of those different takes, right? Like the final thing we're yeah, watching it... is not... okay. It was a lot of different takes that were mixed in there. And there was a lot that was cut, too. So, Interesting. Really interesting. Oh, man. that That's so much cooler than the process I was envisioning where they just had, like, a bunch of different cameras, like, pointing in the right angles, and they just, like, filmed it a couple times and then picked it all from the right take. I, I love that it's kind of a composition. It kind of reminds me of, like, the music-making process, which is something yeah, that's very, very much cool so, in my very mind. very much so. Okay. So... so Oh, go ahead, Hank. Oh, well, since we were kind of talking about, you know, focusing on the individual characters in a scene as well as having, like, the, the shot with everyone in it, we're talking about that one specific hut scene. But I guess in general, did you get a lot of time outside of just, like, filming to kind of meet the other actors and, like, develop kind of like a, like a chemistry with them? Or was most of your time with the rest of the cast just kind of when you were filming? Like, did you get time to kind of develop like a rapport that you used while filming? Or was it totally kind of like an, an alien experience meeting the new people? Uh, it was not entirely alien. Uh, one of the things about my costume is I had to be sewn into it every time. It took, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I really want to talk about this costume in a bit. It is the most insane thing I've ever worn. I've never felt so badass in my life. <laughs> but um, it was... Uh, it took about 40 minutes to get in and out of. Um, and I'd have people stop by and just kind of talk to me about what's happening. So uh, Andre stopped by and talked to me and then talked to my mom for a while. Andre was super nice on set. He was probably the one that like was able to kind of get me up to speed the fastest. And then uh, Pedro was an absolute riot to talk to. I love him. He's a complete character. He's so fun on set. Um, and then Sophie, I didn't really end up talking to that much, but that's because she always had a horde of people (laughs) around her fixing her hair, her makeup, just kind of everything. Because again, she is the star and she did a phenomenal job, but it's like, I didn't really get much time with her. Um, but I did get to talk to her for a bit and I, I wouldn't say it really developed that much of a rapport during the more specifically the hut scene, because a lot of it, I was behind a mask, but, um, I wouldn't say it really developed anything super big out of that. Uh, I did kind of, the first day I was there uh, up in Forks when we were out in the woods, that one scene where they they first see me, uh, I did kind of get to talk to Pedro back and forth a bit. And he was like, well, I kind of want you to move like towards us in this way and that way because I think that would be a cool way and I could react to that this way. And then, of course, Chris walks over and says, I don't want you to do any of that. I want you to do this. <laughs> um, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it was it was a very interesting experience with that. But it ended up working out in a way that was pretty fun. And they, they ended up putting a lot of markers on the ground, and I couldn't see it because I was looking out of the slit the size of a popsicle stick uh, in that mask. And 
yeah, it was it was a pretty fun time. But I wouldn't say I developed any rapport, mm-hmm. but they were all very fun people. You said you told me you had a good story about uh, about Pedro though, where you had. Oh to... yes, go ahead. Oh, this one, this one. Um, so Pedro was saying, I forget what he was saying. He ended up saying something about how I'm not that scary. Because I, I was, like, supposed to be kind of scary in those scenes. And he's like, nah, you're not that scary. Because I was, I was really kind of feeling myself. I was up on this roof for a while. <laughs> this got cut from the movie. I'm so sad about this. But I was up on this roof, and I was, like, Batman's stance, like, holding a sword over his head. And I'm like, yeah, I'll come down. Don't, 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 don't mess with me. <laughs> um, he's like, you're not that scary. I was like, okay, I'll scare you then. So I know where his trailer is because we're on set together. So I decided to post up outside of his trailer until he came out, and I scared him. Well, according to him, I body slammed him, <laughs> but he freaked out. And he, of course, like eight people come running up and are like, "Oh my god, are you okay?" I'm just standing there smiling. He's like freaking out. <laughs> it was such a such a fun thing. And then we go into the hut right after that. And he's like, "Okay." You body slammed me. You did not scare me. I'm like, what do you mean? You just <laughs> screamed bloody murder because a 14-year-old jumped at you. Um, and you had the like, mask on too, didn't you? I did not have the mask on okay. at that point. The ma- I, I would not have been able to do that in the mask. The mask was impossible to see out of. I would have I would have actually body slammed him. Wait, tell us, tell us about the costume some more. Okay, costume. So I'm going to tell you about kind of the makeup of the costume real quick because it was it was a very fun experience to have it made as well. Uh, so the costume was the first thing I went in for, actually. They said, okay, we got to get you fit up for a costume. Uh, Aiden was doing costume design. Again, she is the, the one who I'm just the most blown away with in this entire thing. So I go in and they pretty much explain what my costume is going to be. They show me some photos and they say, you're going to be wearing this kind of like spandex suit that's going to have like a ghillie suit pretty much sewn over the top of it uh and then some leather armor and a head wrap and a mask and you you know what the costume looks like um so i went in and they sized me up for the spandex suit and then i came back again and they had put all this yarn on it to make it kind of that ghillie suit-esque and then they started adding all these details and this and that and this and that but the thing is is they didn't really think about how I would get in and out of it that much, I think would be a very safe way to put that. So the the little satchel I had over my soldier shoulder uh, was sewed to the costume. Hmm. The, the leather chest plate was three different pieces that had to be put together. I had to get the, the face cowling without the mask that had to be sewn around my face every time so that it wouldn't move around. Wow. Uh, the, the boots that they had... I'm going to ask you to hold up for a second here. They sewed (laughs) around your face, like they took like needles through the costume in your face region. Uh, kind of yes and no. Um, pretty much what happened is they (laughs) they'd pull it over me, and then they they were again they were really really good at this. So I was not in any danger ever because they always had the needles pointing like away from me. They were very big about that, and the health and safety person watched them like a hawk. Believe me. (laughs) They were so hard to deal with. They were like, how are you going to get that on? It's like, okay, we're going to do this stitch and this stitch and this stitch. But uh, they actually had the the first day they had to sew me in like that. And then the health and safety people got mad at them. So then they ended up, you know, I don't know if you've had stitches at a hospital, but they have like that kind of like scissor staple stitcher thingy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they ended up using that. So that was how I got in and out of that with the, the face region area. And then the rest of it was just sewn to me pretty mm-hmm. much interesting yeah i so i've actually heard that because i had a friend that did costume design um for she actually worked on like lady gaga's tour and stuff doing that kind of stuff and she would say yeah the costume like often they were sewing people into stuff but sending them out on stage to do things that was like apparently that's like a common thing in the costume oh yeah it's super common yeah i had no idea Well, yeah, uh, th- this is this is the other thing about the, the costume design. And this my costume in specific was very hard to deal with. So it was, I think, in total, the costume weighed close to 20 pounds in the end, just with the silicone, the leather, everything. It was a very hefty piece. Huh. Um, and so I got very thirsty because <laughs> I'm sweating. It's like it's it's only like 60 degrees outside, like a classic Seattle summer. Right. Um but I'm in 
again, 10 pounds of yarn and spandex <laughs> and all of this stuff. And my face is closed in. And I'm all behind this. So the first day out in Forks, I drank a ton of water because I was dying. And then I said, I have to go to the bathroom. And they hadn't planned that out. <laughs> so they had to unsew me, which took 40 minutes, right? And then they had to re-sew me back in, which took another 40 minutes. So we ended up using a combination of like umbrellas and I had to like limit my water intake. Not that I was like in any problems with that, but I was like, okay, how much water can I afford before lunchtime when I get to get out of this? <laughs> um, so it was, it was pretty fun. But so I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just looked up uh, the costumer. So Aiden is, is Vitti. I think. Aiden Vitti is her name. Keegan, she worked on Twin Peaks. Oh, shit. Uh, it looks like the new one's 2017. So, uh, Arthur, Keegan is a huge Twin Peaks fan. I think we're all Twin Peaks fans, but Keegan is, like, over the moon about Twin Peaks. So I thought that was a funny little tie-in. I should hide then because I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, God. Arthur. <laughs> I didn't see it until I was in my late 20s, Arthur. So don't even don't even worry about it. You got I time. got some time. I was then. still, okay. like, a million years ago, Taylor. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it before it came out, actually. The original. Yeah. Uh, all right yeah go, go ahead Hank. yeah so i this is kind of a, a tangent or a pivot question but i wanted to ask so there's a, there's a number of scenes in the movie you're in there are some number of scenes in the movie you're not in were you were you only ever on set like when you were going to be in a scene or did you get to see like what was happening in filming when you weren't there like i guess how much contacts oh did gosh. you get for your actual part I got to be there for a lot of it, actually, because, um, well, first off, set and not set, like, the set and, like, the trailers were all kind of one thing, because it is, it's a very small warehouse, it's a very small area, it's, as I said, some dude's backyard, um, and then I was just, everyone was super chill and super nice, it was a really small production crew, relatively for a movie, um, and so I was kind of friends with a lot of people, and I could kind of show up when I wanted to if I wanted to do this or that and I remember they're actually filming like a mile and a half away from my house in Shoreline at one point um they were doing night shoots from like I think it was 12 to like 5 in the morning at that point uh and that was the whole scene with the the spaceship at the end where they're mining yeah, yeah, yeah. um and I was able to show up for a few of those and just kind of hang out it was kind of cool uh that was that was really fun because it's like I know what that park looks like usually, <laughs> and now they've got a that spaceship actually was not a miniature that was a full size thing and they've got it strapped to a semi and they drove down the highway but wow. it was probably twenty thirty feet tall. Uh, there was those fire explosions going off when they did those takes. Uh, there was that whole like Orlac dig site that was completely made all practical. It was an awesome thing to experience so i got to hang around a bit editor's note at this point in the recording of our interview keegan's audio setup failed uh we were still able to hear him as we were recording but uh it, the the recording wasn't saved the important thing is that keegan asked about talent and location scouting for the film um so I don't really know that much about like scouting necessarily. I know a little bit about their process for choosing locations as well as a few of the actors, just how they went around doing that. But so I can talk about that if you want, but I don't know necessarily what you're meaning by scouting. Oh, okay. The the guy that he let him use his backyard, I think that was some one of the crew members' ex-girlfriend in college's parents' house, some long connection <laughs> like that. Yeah, uh, I, I think it might have been Chris, his college girlfriend. I'm not entirely sure. It might have been just Chris's parents as well. I think there was a girlfriend involved in there somewhere, but I'm not sure. Um, Stepbrother's and, aunt, niece's nephew's uncle. <laughs> yeah, there, were, there was some weird connection for the backyard and the house. And then the, the whole rainforest shoot, uh, they pretty much just they hiked around out there a lot. That's how they ended up doing that. And then the one up in Shoreview Park was 
they just kind of found a park in Shoreline close enough to them that had the right things. As far as the the actors went, I'm not sure how they got in touch with Pedro, but pretty much they sent him the script and he was like, I want to do this. And then uh, he was really drawn to the like kind of more Shakespeare-y side of his character because Pedro has a lot of those really cool, like he has his own slang terms, if you kind of notice that in the movie. Yeah. He gets to just throw around a lot of fun stuff, which allowed him to do a lot of improvising. Uh, and one of the things I thought another really cool thing about Pedro, just like the way his thought process works because immensely talented. So I'm going to pay attention to that. But um, <laughs> like that, that little blonde tough and the, the scar under his eye, he, he showed up on set and was like, I need these two things to do this role. So I want that. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so I'm pretty sure they kind of got the dream with Pedro. They, they sent it out to him. They were like, that's the ideal one we want for him. And then Sophie, they did like a, countrywide search i think they also did a little bit of canada as well and just started searching around and they had a lot of video interview interviews a lot of video uh, auditions and things like that so and then the rest of it was mainly local from what i've heard keegan to answer your question uh the writer and directors the zeke uh, earl and chris caldwell they met at spu seattle pacific university yeah no they yeah they are very much so yeah from seattle okay so actually follow up on that so the whole rainforest that's a great that's a if if our listeners out there haven't been it's literally a rainforest but in a temperate climate so it's incredible and us all being from northwest been around things like that a lot and seen it and this movie did a really great job of taking something that felt pretty familiar and making it feel totally alien and and a big part of that was this purple dust that's floating everywhere so i wanted to ask you arthur did they because I'm imagining when you're not filming, obviously there's no there's no purple dust when you're out there working on the movie. But that, as far as like the atmosphere of the movie, really, really was a major factor for me as like an audience member. So how did they talk about the dust? Did they tell you to to act like there's dust or, or how did that how did how did you interact with all of that as an actor? Well, so I didn't really get the worst of that. Um but I think for the, the people in the helmets, they had a really hard time with that because the visors were practical. They were not CG, so there was a lot of reflections and things like that. Uh, the dust was entirely CG. It was actually, I think, one of the directors, they both did a lot for this, but um, just started kicking dust up in their basement, filming it on a green screen, and then CG and kind of compiled it, and that's, that's the dust. Mm. So he found the right floatiness in his basement when he was dusting. He was like, that's the look I want and then just let his basement get really dusty and actually did that. So that was kind of a cool little thing. Uh, as far as the dust for me, I didn't really have to pay attention to it, as I said, but a lot of the other actors had to talk about it and kind of think about it. It's like, okay, we have these filters, so we can't do this, we can't do that. But I think because we were in suits, to a certain degree, it's kind of shoved to the side. You don't really have to think about it that much because it's not, it's not really a scene where it's written in where it's like, oh, we're going to be out there without the the suits or the the dust or this or that so it wasn't a super big challenge i don't think for the rest of them but for me i didn't even think about it once if i'm completely honest yeah because i guess you're you know you're in the you're in the the tent the whole time so or not the whole time there's some scenes outside but most of your your close-ups and stuff are are in the tent so interesting very interesting so actually, we missed something about that tent scene that we said we were going to talk about. Did you actually play that instrument? What was that? Oh my God, that was that was, that was an interesting one. Um, <laughs> pretty. <laughs> that was really weird. I I still don't understand what that was to this day. Uh, so pretty much, they. I didn't know we were playing an instrument. That wasn't in the script that I was given. I, they must have updated the script or changed it or something like that. But what it said is uh, in the script was, now my son will play for you, for Andre. And then uh, it just said, song. And I, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know I was playing an instrument. So on like the second, like the day before we're about to shoot this hut scene, one of the props department guys walks up to me with this big tote full of bubble wrap and stuff like that. And I was like, okay. You need to figure out how to play this as an instrument. <laughs> and I was like, okay, wait. I didn't know what sound it made until the day of onset. I didn't know anything about that. It was not functional. None of the buttons pressed. Um, but they were like, okay, just come up with a few patterns that you're like, okay, these are notes. Uh, and then this spinny thing, just 
produces a horn sound. And I was like, all right, I can work with that. <laughs> and he was like, if you want to like start doing some tricks with the horse tail on the end or figure out how you want to hold it. And mind you, the thing is like probably a little bit larger than like a NBA basketball. So I didn't really have much of a choice than like just <laughs> sitting it in my lap. I thought about like putting it under my arm like a bagpipe. But I, I was thinking about it. I was like, no, I'm going to be pressing all the buttons with my side. Well, same thing in my lap. What do I do with this? Um, and so the first time I heard what the instrument sounded like, Chris walked up to me and was like, do you know what you're playing? I was like, I came up with like five different quote unquote chords, um, that I can just kind of run around. He was like, there are no chords in this song. I was like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> what? <laughs> He's like, okay, have you heard it? And I was like, no. So then they all go looking around for why I haven't heard this. But Chris pulls out his phone and is like, okay, listen to this. I'm like, this, what is this instrument? He's like, it was some sort of like accordion like accordion recorder hybrid that some dude had built with like different like almost it was like a reed and like a piano instrument at the same time really funky instrument that he custom built and made that sound um and then they ended up just piping in or not piping but uh running like an earbud up to me so i could listen to it and then i just kind of had to figure out what I was doing on set at that point. So that, that was like my worst moment. And I'm, I'm going to point this out just because I find it funny. But if you look at my fingers in any of it, the continuity goes out the window. I don't know how they splice that together, but my fingers change positions like 40 times and you don't see it. Every time it's on a different little knob, I could not figure it out for the life of me. Because a lot of those symbols repeat. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll be on this symbol. But because it's a cylindrical instrument, I'd come up with chords that I was like, oh, this one, this one, this one. When I grabbed it, there was no way to figure out where those were and besides, like, spinning it around and looking at these buttons. So I just ended up just throwing caution to the window. I was like, I'm just going to put my hand like this and hope for the best. So That's awesome. I love that the fact that they can, you know, build this whole universe, have books, comics, all this other stuff to, like, fill out stuff. And yet, you know, if this was, if like Prospect was the beginning of a Star Wars franchise, right? So let's say they went and did a bunch more movies based on it, whatever else, right? In the canon, the, the, they have a description of this instrument and how it gets played. And a lot of that was up to the whim of what Arthur decided that day. And he had no idea about anything. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, that's funny. That's yeah. funny. Well, Go ahead, Hank. Oh, I was just going to say, I remember watching that scene, and I'm like, oh boy, I get to ask about the instrument. Like, I have no idea what the hell that thing is, and I want to Hey, you and me too, buddy. I have no idea to this day. Oh my god. I don't think it has a name. It's just like, whenever someone asks me about it, they're like, so what was that? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like, on the down low, keep this between you and me, no one on the set knew, so... That's, but that's part of the mis- that's part of the mystery of the it really of the is. universe. It really is. It was quite fun, and there were a lot of things like that where it's like they had this really cool universe, and then some props guy was like, "Here's some," or some some planner was like, "Here's some plans." Props guy go build that, and he's like, "I don't know how this is actually supposed to operate, so I'm just gonna <laughs> build it." And then they they get to set, and it's like, "Well, this is supposed to do that." And it's like, "But it doesn't." <laughs> and so there's a lot of really cool things that just ended up becoming like personality traits for things in the movie as well um and I, d- I don't know a lot of those but there's a lot of really cool stuff like that that ended up becoming fun like actually the the foam sprayer that they use when they cut off ezra's arm yeah that originally was like this whole device that got broken or lost so they just grabbed something at like a hardware store and like glued some stuff <laughs> to it to my knowledge and then it became a hero prop and it, so it, it's really kind of a there's a lot of things like that small budget filmmaking Oh man! Well, it, it works though because as as the audience were watching this and we're wondering about the meaning and the use behind everything, and because so many of the props are so real looking and and hefty, right? It makes us wonder about every little tiny detail, every analog yeah. button, everything. So it to- it totally works. The mystery of what all that stuff does, like, really came just, across. Just uh, one of my favorite ones. Just yeah. uh, one of those mystery things. Uh, the the watch that Sophie slash C wears in the movie the buttons were all from an NES controller. That was just one of those things where I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool little thing. So, oh, Very cool. I Very love that. Cool. I, I, I feel like I should have noticed it as a Nintendo fanboy, but um, <laughs> I'm ashamed to, to say that I didn't, but I love it now I only, I, I Yeah, <laughs> I, I only really figured out what an NES controller looked like at that moment. I was, <laughs> I was GameCube growing up, so... <laughs> <laughs> 
Nice. Okay. I've actually run through most of my interview questions, so I'm going to let Taylor and Keegan take the reins here. Or Arthur. You know, if Arthur has some specific things that we have failed to ask him, I'm, I'm, I'm happy yeah, to let you talk missing? about it. I honestly, I'm not going to lie. I think I wrote down some stuff on my laptop, but I'm on a different computer right now. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I could go boot up my laptop, but this thing is, oh, it's actually open. What am I, what am I talking about? I could go pull that up if you want. I can just walk away and we can come back here in a second. Uh, I, you might have covered everything. I don't know. No, okay, go ahead. Right back. We, can, we can cut this transition out. No problem. I'm great at cutting things out. <laughs> Taylor has made it a necessity. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what's funny is that I haven't been I haven't been listening to the full episodes anymore just because I like, get sick of hearing myself talk. But I part of me wonders like you know if Hank just started cutting out most of what I said, I probably wouldn't know for months. Yeah, I actually have like a full like syllabic dictionary for Taylor that I've been developing over this whole time, and I've just been creating <laughs> sound bites of him saying terrible things. <laughs> And uh, one day I will blackmail him with it. It'll work. It'll work. I won't be able to stop you. <laughs> the podcast is actually now just Keegan and Hank, but I still keep showing up every week. So, yeah, upload upload your file, Taylor. Go ahead. Straight to the trash bin. Yeah, Taylor doesn't <laughs> Taylor doesn't even listen to it. He doesn't realize that I reconstituted his part and just made up new responses to all of the questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanna okay. oh, what... There was only one thing that we didn't really talk about, but we kinda talked about it in conjunction, and that was uh the the space station itself. Um I wanna yeah. hear about the space so, station. One of the one of the kind of crazy things about that was is, hold on, my dogs are barking. I don't know if it's in the recording, but I'm just gonna wait. Yeah, that <laughs> happens all the time. Yeah, mostly to Keegan. Oh. <laughs> I'm surprised. Yeah, I, I figured Melrose would do a lot of that actually. She does. She sometimes she does do that. Cause like whenever I come over, she's an absolute riot. <laughs> like she just attacks me, man. <laughs> um. Okay, it sounds like they're done. Uh, yeah, but the the space station itself was a uh, quite the quite the thing. So they came up with a model of it, um, and that they built an entire like forty foot long set uh, for the one scene where she's sitting by the window for the very intro, um, and that is the one time that is used, but it was so intricate you could walk up and down it there were these cargo holds and all this really cool stuff there's a almost i don't remember if the robotic arm in it was functional or not um but wow. there was a, a whole robotic arm none of it got used and i was very sad to see that but the other thing that was really interesting about the spaceship was a uh, one of the things they had to do because it was a just a set in a warehouse right this was no big production i think the warehouse was somewhere in lake city probably smaller than like probably smaller than like let's see what's a what's a building i compare that to um like in terms of like a basketball court or a soccer uh court? like maybe a basketball court and a half okay and they they ran props they ran costumes they ran filming they did set building everything was out of this one location hmm. um but when they came time to film in it, a lot of the problems they had were with lighting uh, and, like, planes going over the top. But um, one of the things that I severely was sad about because it was super underappreciated in almost every shot was because it's a rotating space station, they actually moved the lights around every time. And if you look at it, you can see the lights going around, and it's timed perfectly through editing and everything else. And that was one of the coolest things to me because in a lot of bigger productions, they they have these big light, I don't know, it's, a, it's probably a light on a jib or a crane or something like that that they can move around very easily. But this set was a big piece of steel filled in on the inside. To get any of the shaking done, it was just four guys jumping on the side of it. It's like, <laughs> and 
it's just amazing to me that they were able to do all of this on this very almost, I mean, I guess $4 million is not a shoestring budget, but a shoestring budget for a, a film of this capacity. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just wanted to talk about that because they were incredibly talented and there is an amazing amount of stuff that I could never cover or never even know. There is so much that went on that was incredible with this film. Yeah, I mean, even as a viewer that didn't get to see all the things that didn't make that final cut, you know, every single set in the movie, every single prop in the movie, I was watching it and I was like, they only had four, $4 million? You know, I've, I've, I've yeah. seen much bigger budget movies that do a lot less cool shit throughout their runtime. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, what a cool experience for you too, Arthur, because I think this movie punches above its weight in terms of budget, right? Like, Oh, the, very much so. Yeah, like, not, not, not uh, yeah, you have Pedro Pascal who's like a big name, but every other little bit of the, of the movie including your role and your and your acting in it and your costume i think is like it's just incredible for the budget that they did for finding a, a kid from a dance company the fact that you contributed so much to that movie i think it's just really cool and I'm, I'm really excited to see the other films that these guys make because i was really really impressed with this one yeah me as well yeah i uh I, when i finished watching that movie there are very few movies that i finish and i'm like that was just too short that was just too damn short but this was yeah. one yeah. of them. Um, yeah. Well, one of the things that I was very sad about is, again, I I love those kind of films that build those whole worlds. Um, and I think a lot of films that do that are generally very successful. You have things like Avatar that has that entire huge world around it. And Avatar gets to use it um, yeah. very liberally. Uh, though they have a $250 million budget, they get to use it a lot. So I... I've kind of always wondered myself whether or not if they had a larger budget, they would have been able to incorporate a lot more into that. Because I think there's a lot of things that, I mean, I was told about just through whims and things like that that just kind of came to me. That, like, they could have created this incredibly dense movie that just didn't really get to happen. I wonder if that's because of the budget. Yeah, it seems seems like a strong possibility, though in some sense I feel like you know they got they they kind of got an opportunity to tantalize the viewer with it you know like it's all like just slightly out of reach so now if they ever make a second movie or a second series in the same universe i'll be like oh man i I want it even more now because they gave me that first taste in prospect but they weren't you know they didn't have the budget to give me you know like so much that i got sick of it or anything not that i would get sick of it if they gave me more necessarily well (laughs) if you want to hint into what they're doing they are on instagram they're pretty active uh zeke and chris are super super easy to get a kind of glimpse at what they're doing also this can i just say like my favorite like i made it moment from this (laughs) (laughs) i wanted to talk about this this was the coolest thing so uh that one shot where they were kind of coming up the pathway uh and I'm just standing there. Yeah, before the hunt. I remember, like, one of those days where I'm just like, I'm going to cherish that for a while, was when Pedro whipped out his phone and just stood there and was like, this is so damn cool. And <laughs> took a photo of it and then walked back to do his shot. <laughs> but I, he just had one photo of me just standing in that pathway. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> and then there was also the one photo he posted of me on his Instagram. Uh a few years back with 1.1 million followers that I was not tagged in <laughs> and most of the comments on it is my friends telling him to tag me so <laughs> Pedro if you're listening please man <laughs> that's great that's great yeah, yeah and also Pedro if you're listening we'd love to hear your response to this accusation of improper tagging etiquette um, so yeah. you know, shoot us an email We'll, we'll get... just come on, come on the show. I'm yeah, sure. I'm yeah. sure they would love to have. We can you. hash I'm this sure out. The Patreon viewers would go up a lot. So uh, <laughs> just uh, that's awesome. Well, are, so is there? Do you want to keep doing uh, acting? Do you? Would it be something you'd pursue, or have you looked back into it after doing this movie? You know, I really haven't, and I'm tempted to, but at the same time, it's like it's a very competitive world that I don't fully understand. I understand performance art, and I, sure, I understand acting, I understand this, but I really haven't done enough of it to where I feel I want to pursue it at this point in my life. There are certain roles where it's like I could see myself fitting into and I've thought about a few times, but I've never really pushed super hard for it. 
I'd be interested in doing specific roles, but as an actor, you don't really get that choice, especially when you're first starting out. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, what a cool experience, man. And what, what an insight into the filmmaking process. Like we talk about films for hours every week and we've, I've never been on like an actual working film set, you know, as a part of the crew or something. So thank yeah. you so much for of course coming on and talking to us about it, man. I have one more question for Arthur before we move on. Um, which is, even if it's not acting, is there anything you'd like us to point our viewers to that you're doing right now? Anything you have out there in the public eye that you'd like us to, to you know, throw a link in the description or anything for? Uh, you know, I should say something, but quite honestly, uh, I don't have anything off the top of my head. Um, Your Instagram, if you want us to. I mean, maybe that'll I mean, get I've, Pedro's I have attention. Had, <laughs> I have uh, had my Instagram uninstalled for, like, a year now, but... um. Sure, my Instagram is, uh, I mean, you can throw that in the description, I'll send that off to you. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Sweet, sweet. All right. So, awesome, Keegan, man. Taylor, any, any last questions before we uh, talk about next week? I got, I got, I, I got questions that I want to ask you, but I don't want to ask you. Like, I want to know, I want to know answers behind stuff in the movie, right? I want to know what the, the egg, the weird animal tree egg things were, the jewels, but don't tell me, don't ruin it. Like, I want to ask, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to. (laughs) Are you scared? Because here's the thing, they, like, (laughs) it's not that deep with all of those. (laughs) Don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. (laughs) Okay. They're still working on it. There's, no, more no, there's a whole there's a whole story behind all of them, but it's like it's not super deep. So if you want to ask, go for it. No, I'm not going to. Okay, I like okay. the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got you can't ruin the magic. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, I under, I understand it, Taylor. All right, and now Arthur, I'm going to give you one last. You know, not, don't need to point us to anything, but any last things you'd like to say about the uh, the movie's filming process or development process while while you've still got the uh, the airspace to do it. Uh, off the top of my head, nothing comes to mind, though I'm probably going to regret that uh, in 25 minutes. So. <laughs> All right. <Yeah. laughs> well, uh, I'll, uh, you know, if you think up something, send it to me and I'll edit it in and it'll sound really unnatural, we'll but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> no, unnatural is where I'm at right now. I like it. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. We really appreciate it. The Rotating Reels family. Yeah, yeah. Super, super glad to have you on. I just want to say, like, really love the movie. Your role, you know, like you weren't the protagonist, but still like a, a pretty awesome role, like from when you were first on camera to, to kind of like, you, you know, playing the instrument and stuff like definitely some standout moments on screen and super excited to do the first rotating reels interview with you. Yeah, yeah thanks. It's an, it's an honor. I did remember one thing, actually, uh, that, that the this got cut from the movie, but it was the, the favorite shot I was in. Um, and pretty much what it was is when they got to the hut, uh, in the movie, it's just like me standing in front with Andre's character. Uh, but originally, I was up on the roof, and they had pumped a lot of fog. And I would walk out of the smoke and then crouch down over the door as they walked in. And I have been getting... I've been trying to get Chris to send me that for... <laughs> I want that clip. I remember watching that over someone's shoulder on the monitor, and I was like... Okay, I'm actually a superhero right now. Um, so if Chris is listening, please, man. I asked you a few times, and I know it's on some hard drive in the middle of a basement, but go look for it. I would love you forever for it. That's all i got to say. Yeah, and Chris, you know, if this helps Arthur's case at all, we'll grant you an interview if you send him that footage. You know, we'll yeah, let grant you come an interview. under yeah. that one circumstance. <laughs> Uh, so that's that's good advice I think for all everybody listening out there. If you ever get the chance to audition for a movie, you should do it. You could feel like a superhero. What a cool thing! It's pretty cool. Not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's also another one. I have a trading card of myself too. That was cool. You have a trading card of yourself? Wait, what? Yeah, a trading card? No, they, had, they made this whole merch thing. So I have a trading card of every character with every name of the character in order of appearance. Can you? They still made these things. I, I'll, I'll send you some photos. I don't know if you can still buy them. They're pretty limited, but I can I can send you some photos of them. Yeah. I, you can't have yeah, them. Yeah, send us some photos. <laughs> Is it okay if we post those photos on our Instagram? Oh, totally. Because I feel like that'd be a great part of like the the post for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I have I have a lot of cool memorabilia sitting in front of me on this desk. I have this cool little sticker that I'll never use because why would I put that on anything? 
of like this little cartoon character that was written that kind of turned into the crew mascot. I have the first ticket when I went to see it. So, yeah, I have, I have some fun stuff that I can send over to you guys for yeah, sure. Yeah, awesome. And I'll try and take good photos if it's going to go up on Instagram. Super sweet. <laughs> super sweet. Love it. Love it. Of course. Okay. Cool. So, well, thanks, man. Yeah, thanks again. Of course. Yeah. Uh, do you guys want me to dip out of the call so you can kind of do your thing? Or I can just sit here awkwardly <laughs> <laughs> no i think you can i think you can go we're going to record a patreon episode next so we're okay, going to be perfect. on here for another hour or so yeah. okay perfect Alrighty, it was awesome hanging out with you guys uh i will definitely be listening to all of this stuff and your podcast for the rest of the time it was oh, an honor to be here awesome. thanks man yeah thank you Alrighty, see you guys have Later. a good night all right so oh i see it i that's a dope trading card yeah i i I uh, we're going to post this on our Instagram for our for our listeners. Um, you know, go check out Rotating Reels on Instagram. This episode, we're going to have some cool pictures of trading cards, memorabilia from the movie. I, I this is coming out my ass right now. I didn't realize we were going to be doing this until this moment, but I'm super hyped. So uh, check that out. It is really a dope trading card. I cannot show it to you uh, over over the airwaves you know my voice just doesn't have that kind of uh descriptive quality but you're going to want to see it but it's it's pretty badass yeah i mean it's it's uh like if if that was like uh for for a trading card game or a collectible card game i'd buy it um hell yeah that is uh the conclusion of our interview with uh arthur duranlo uh for the movie prospect from 2018 uh, if you didn't see our last episode and for some reason watch this interview, uh, just know that we all love the movie. You should definitely go watch it, even if you're not going to watch our other episode that we reviewed the movie on. Um, and then also, uh, like I said, check out our Instagram for some pictures of Arthur's memorabilia from the movie. It's, it's some pretty cool looking stuff. Uh, even just the images we were able to find with a Google search. Uh, two thumbs up from Hank Showalter. Now then, anyway, that's going to conclude our interview. I do want to introduce what we're going to have for you next week. Uh, We've been on a little bit of a weird schedule. We kind of shuffled things around a little bit uh, off of our usual A week, B week, you know, like new release, host pick schedule. We moved away from that for a bit, but we're coming back to it. And next week, we've got an A week movie coming up for you. So uh, I believe this Friday coming out in theaters and on HBO Max, there is a movie that I am personally very excited for. I think Keegan's probably very excited for. Taylor might be too old to understand why we're excited for it. (laughs) But this movie is called Mortal Kombat. So uh, for those of you that are... (laughs) Mortal Kombat. Fight! (laughs) Um, But so anyway, for those of you that don't uh, know that name... Mortal Kombat is a brand new movie, like I said, coming out in theaters and on HBO Max, and uh, it's based on a very well-established video game series called Mortal Kombat that is known for being one of the most violent video game series to ever grace, uh, you know, the, 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 the TV screen. It's incredibly violent, um, and as such, I would have picked it for a Hank week if we didn't pick it for, a, uh, for an <laughs> A week, so I'm just ecstatic that we get to review this movie but i'm going to read out the imdb blurb just so you know if you're listening to this interview and you're hearing what we're doing next week you know what you're getting into so the uh imdb blurb reads as follows mma fighter cole young seeks out earth's greatest champions in order to stand against the enemies of outworld in a high stakes battle for the universe Okay, that's the whole blurb. It's not very long, but it really gets the <laughs> essence of Mortal Kombat, which is you're going to have a dude from Earth. He's going to be fighting some people from Outworld, from Heaven, from the Nether Realm. I mean, I, 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 I know a lot about Mortal Kombat lore. I, I'm pretty deep into it. I could go on for a, for a long time about like which Mortal Kombat tournaments are the most important in the lore, but I want to see what this movie establishes. I want to see if it's sticking with the original lore, if it's going with the new Mortal Kombat 9, 10, 11 lore. Um, so I won't get it too deep into it now, but rest assured, we are going to have an exciting and possibly heated review of the movie next week. So be sure to tune in for that. Hell yeah, now I'm then, excited. If you need some more rotating reels, we've also got a little something coming up for you this very same week. 
as we uh, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago when we did our review of uh, Godzilla vs Kong, we've started up a Patreon that has some exclusive Patreon content. Now then, this week we will be releasing our second Patreon exclusive episode, and uh, this episode is not going to be a top three lineup like our previous episode. This episode is going to be a straight a uh, straightforward movie review of a selection by our very own Keegan Tran. So uh, on Patreon, we're going to be reviewing the uh, Korean thriller, Burning. Um, Keegan, can you uh, remind me who directed it? I know it's starving, uh, starring Steven Yeun, um, but who directed it? Directed yeah. by Chang Dong Lee, whose other films, uh, this is definitely the biggest that he's done. He's done a couple of movies called Poetry, Oasis, and Secret Sunshine. Uh, none of them have been quite as acclaimed as this movie. Um, so yeah, I'd say relatively uh, mid-sized director. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's a really interesting movie. Recommend checking out checking it out if you haven't seen it and if you want to watch our review. And if you do want to watch that review, check us out on Patreon. It's going to be up there. Um, I think all three of the hosts are fairly excited to review this movie, so I think it'll be mm-hmm. a good piece of content. So be sure to check us out. It's uh, Rotating Reels on Patreon, Patreon.com. It should be the... Uh, well, one of the few that pops up when you search it. You can also just go to rotatingreels.com. You can also just go to rotatingreels.com. We've got the domain. Um, but with that, I think that concludes our uh, our main episode for the week. So I'm going to say, Hank out. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs>